friends, friends, friends. <laughs> uh, I hope you are well today. Um, I am in PJs because I'm going to be writing all day today. I've got, um, I had my last couple classes and I have two papers and a final left and they're big. Papers, that's what I'm going to be doing today. Um, Mandy, I'm so glad to see your face. It is a welcome break from reading about Jesus. And I appreciate <laughs> you very, very much. And Listen, I apologize for my pajama self. You look exactly like you should look. There we go. Being in the position that you're in right now. Yep. Yep. You should look no other way. <laughs> well, it's been quite the week. Um, I can't wait to hear about your week and all the things um but i thought i'd start us off uh with a little controversy as we do i don't know if y'all have heard <laughs> uh, but the um college football world is all a tizzy these days um first <laughs> let me start by saying i am so thrilled i am so thrilled i am beyond thrilled that we can now move to an era where Chris Fowler and Kurt Herbstreet can call all our games. <laughs> <laughs> we are done with CBS at 3.30 and Gary Danielson. God, help us all. Um, I am so excited for one main reason, and that is that I know Kurt Herbstreet is an Ohio State fan, and I really don't care what kind of fan chris fowler is but they don't let that get in the way of calling a game that is fair and they don't talk about other teams the entire time during someone else's game well, and know, they, it's not too much to ask to talk about so. the teams on the field they're genuinely excited about a, about watching good football. And they just love football, just like the rest of us. And so I'm just thrilled that we get to uh, play along with them from now on. On the other side of college football, um, the college playoff choices are slightly controversial. I don't know if y'all have heard anything about it. I mean, there's no winning, I don't think, for the college football playoff committee. I think any choice that they made was going to get an uproar, but they picked the one that got the most uproar imaginable. Yeah. I will say I listened um, on Friday to a podcast. So uh, ESPN puts out a podcast every day. I think it's called ESPN Daily, maybe. Mm -hmm. um, and the guy that used to host that is a guy named Pablo Torre. And Pablo left um, maybe in the summer. And he has now started his own podcast. And it's called Pablo Torre Knows It All or Pablo Torre Finds Out or something. Mm. If, you, if you search for Pablo um, on Apple, it'll pop up. But he interviewed, <laughs> he interviewed a guy, and I can't remember the guy's name, but he's um, he played college football. He played in the NFL, but now he is a math professor at MIT. Mm. <laughs> um, and okay. that, guy, that guy was on the uh, committee up until this year. He rolled off. 
Uh, and so Pablo interviewed him on Friday because they were anticipating Alabama beating Georgia and all of this happening. Right. Um, and so, but it was an interesting, I mean, the guy, the, the guy that was on the committee really sort of toes the party line yeah. um, about what they do. And, but it gives you a little bit of insight into the process. Um, yeah. So it is I called saw, Pablo Torre finds out and it, the episode name is the secret formula of the college football playoff committee. <laughs> yeah. So you can imagine an MIT professor, math yeah. professor. Um, wanted to talk about formulas a lot um but like from his perspective he you know he said I don't know anything about how the money works he said I can just tell you how we you know sort of look and he wouldn't talk about specific examples of anything right but as far as he was concerned it was a very pure process and the way he approached it was very pure but I'm sure they're not all like that None of us are in the room, first of all, um, when they're making those choices. But it's really hard. Well, I did see, so one person said something that I saw this morning on the Clock app. He's a sportscaster. Um, and he said, which is true, wasn't it just earlier this season that FSU was trying to get out of the ACC because it was too easy and not enough of a challenge. And didn't they just go to Wells Fargo a few months ago and beg for hundreds of millions of dollars to borrow so they could leave and go to the SEC? So even they admitted early on that it was not a challenging conference to be in. And I totally forgot talk about Mandy and I were just talking about goldfish brain. Talk about goldfish brain. I'd forgotten that that they literally three months ago tried to borrow almost two hundred million dollars to leave the ACC because it wasn't challenging enough. Uh, yeah, it just I don't know. It's just hard. It's just you know. But then then you add in they beat two SEC teams. I agree. You know, like it just it all it's hard. I wonder if it was ever an option and I know it would be last minute and I know the logistics of adding games at this point in the season would just be a tremendous feat. However, comma, we're going to do it next year. Right. I wonder if we had added one more layer at the schools, not in bowls necessarily to make it easier to schedule and, make it work i wonder if that crossed their mind because adding one more game layer and giving michigan and um washington a bye week would i think have helped tremendously um and i don't know it might not have ever come up it might not have been a possibility but i think they should have at least explored it yeah, I doubt it was a possibility for this year, but I think it's why they're doing what they're doing yeah. next year. Um, and then I also saw, a, I think it was a tweet. I didn't read the whole thing because uh, that's where we live in this world. Yeah. Um, but as I was scrolling through, I did see that, uh, and I probably shouldn't even share this because I don't even remember who tweeted it and I can't cite my source at all. I get on my nephew about this song. Your hair looks great. My hair, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> if you see the secret picture, you'll know. 
I get on my nephew about this all the time about citing sources, but whatever it was said that by putting Alabama in that ESPN had was like due to make like 1.6 billion dollars more because of you know ratings and all that um yeah that that plays into it as well it even if they would never say it out loud it has to oh I will always buy into a corporate greed argument yeah same and then there's that have you seen the picture of Herbie on set and the four helmets behind him are the four teams that made it in the playoff like espn was sending subtle messages inside the room because they were all watching the coverage on espn like i mean i'm all for a conspiracy theory (laughs) i'm not that's a little much yeah like Um, i don't think herb street is first of all smart enough god love him to think oh we want these four teams let me put the helmets behind and I, we will send them a subtle message. so funny i don't think that happened i'm in a, a text thread with my friends kelly and casey who both went to george tech and they were making the point why do we not just pull michigan out since they cheated uh and put FSU in. Cheaters shouldn't be awarded with a bowl game. Just Same. pull them out and put FSU in. Same. I that thought crossed my mind more than once. Like, why are we even talking about Michigan? I think that's why Harbaugh took the punishment. Yeah. Because he knew if he didn't, they would do it for him. And it might have been the bowl. Um, but he gets to come back for those lord i know i know i know so um you know i'm an investigative journalist right um and (laughs) you know i'm always thinking ahead for this podcast because you know i don't have anything else to do well that's not true but you do think ahead. i mean i do i I do think i do think because uh that is not something i'm capable of but i look look that's why we're the perfect pair of people for this but there is something that I'm going to share with y'all. There's a great story. I haven't even told Mandy all this. There's a family story, um, maybe the week of Christmas. Anyway, I ha- there was something old that I was looking for that I found. And to do that, I had to dig through some boxes. And I found some of the best family pictures. And so my Christmas break project it's going to be to go through these boxes that i have and um frame some old pictures i found and i knew i had it but i hadn't laid eyes on it in a while i found a picture of my great grandmother who i'm named after kitty Catherine, with her best friends getting dressed for some party it's a candid picture oh fun she's in her slip and they are laughing uproariously oh that's awesome and it's from like uh, it has to be the 40s the early 40s because i mean she's fairly young ish but they're just having the best time and uh, All the other pictures I have of family are very, you know, back in the day when all this was new, they posed and sat for it and were very, they rarely even smiled in these things. 
and um kitty is just they're having a ball and it's uh, one of the few candid pictures i have like that and i'm just i treasure it um i found a picture of a mcafee candy company um 18 wheeler (laughs) full of candy um with the mcafee candy company um name on the side Uh, i found my grandmother's pledge class picture love it and the national convention little pamphlet for finding yeah go to school mercer honey mercer and i used her pen so i have your chapter name alpha iota alpha iota on my pen because it's gogies um they're just some treasures some treasures in those pictures and in those records some things on typewriter that's the thing i'm holding out on um for our christmas episode because it's amazing um and i I just so i'm gonna that's my christmas project y'all hold my feet to the fire on this i'm gonna go through and frame things like it yeah i'm so excited i was excited to find it very nice very nice that's my um christmas break project now the other thing, and I have questions for you, Mandy, on this legal question. So put on your lawyer hat. Okay, this is not legal advice, but no, I'll- no, no, just questions. Okay. okay, end game. Do you know the book by Obed Scobie? I know the song by Taylor the- Swift. <laughs> I know, right? So our friend, I use that term very loosely. Omed put out another book about the Sussexes. Oh, no, I don't know. You don't know this? Oh, man. Okay. Well, maybe I'll introduce it and you can do a little research this week. We've actually never had a conversation about the Sussexes. But anyway, go ahead. We have not. No, we haven't. We haven't. Interesting. I think we don't agree on them, but that's okay. Really? Really. Well, I just know a narcissist when I see one. Anyway, keep going. Okay, so Omid, first of all, Omid, God love you. You're so cute and all, but like it's time to back away from the fillers. If you ever have seen Omid Scobie, do not know who this person is. He's he writes all these controversial books for the Sussexes. By the way, for those of you who don't know, who aren't quite as into the royals as we are the sussexes are harry and megan harry megan he look i don't he's too young to have that much filler in his face he is he still has his bloom i think as a universal edict just in general we can say everybody needs to step away from the filler i mean there's so much eyebrows that he looks like the caveman friends if y'all have a friend who's way too into the fillers and you're not telling them i'm gonna need you to step up yeah you need to be a better friend bless him so clearly he has some self-esteem issues because he's filled his face full of crap um so in the dutch version of the book it names charles pause pause yeah friends i just need y'all to hear that again katie is talking about a book written about the sussexes and she has just said in the dutch version of the book cannot continue 
I cannot believe you have not heard this because it's all over the news, like all over the news. <laughs> In the Dutch version of the book, it names Catherine and Charles as the people who asked about the skin color of the baby. Okay, I did see a mention of this yes. on Twitter, but I didn't have enough energy to dig in to figure out what they were talking about. So he was on, Omid was on, the writer was on British television, and he said out loud, the Dutch version is not my book. I don't speak Dutch, which I get. I don't either. But <laughs> names are the same, honey bun. Names are the same. So, so he's saying he doesn't stand behind that. Because he doesn't know. He's saying he didn't know it was getting printed because it's illegal or something. And the, the UK has some weird laws, right? About privacy and things. So it's not in the English version. But only in the Dutch version did it name the people. And I'm like, honey bun... Names are the same, or at least close enough. Like of all, if I ever hear anyone speak words that are of another language, I know when they say the name. Yeah. When I'm reading a book but in another name, language, I know when it says a name. <laughs> but if the names were not in there, in no, the they were version, in the British okay. version, yeah. They were. Oh, I thought you just said they couldn't. Not in the British version, but in the Dutch version. Somebody knew what they were doing, is what I think. Okay, well, I'm still so confused. Yeah. So, were the names in the British version? No. So, here's what I was saying is, Uh if they weren't in there at all, then in the Dutch version, they went in and added names. So, it's not like a translation issue. It's where they added something in. So, there are three theories. That they were added incorrectly. That they got an earlier version of the manuscript that they translated before names were taken out altogether. Yeah. But isn't it interesting that those were the only two left in? (laughs) And I forgot what the third one was I heard that made sense too. But any one of those could be. um, I fully believe I have no doubt it's Charles that asked that question. So if it was asked in a way, if it was asked in a way that was derogatory, a hundred percent, they should be ashamed of themselves. How could it not be derogatory? Because I asked just the other day for a friend that had a baby. I wonder if they're going to have your hair or his hair. I wonder if they're going to have your beautiful eyes or his eyes. If it's a mixed race, baby, I hope they have beautiful skin that is that beautiful caramel color. It can be in a way that is not. Now, from Charles, if it had been Philip, I would have said 100%. Because Prince Philip was known for being kind of an, we're explicit, a low-key asshole. um, And not very low-key most of the time. But Charles, I don't know if it would have been derogatory because he's done a lot of work to help people of color in Britain over the years. It's not well publicized, but he has. 
I don't know. I just I don't know. And that given the in that situation, given what they have been through in the British press, what I mean the way that question so again for those of you who aren't as into the royals as we may be i just like the jewels it was reported that before archie harry megan's son was born and help me because again details yeah um somebody in the family was it right after Archie was born or was no, it before, it was before when they found out she was pregnant? Yeah. Somebody said, I wonder what color the baby's skin will be, basically, right? And it was taken instead of, I wonder if it'll be a redhead or have her beautiful brown hair, because she's gorgeous. I wonder if it'll be skin, her skin color or his. It was taken as, I am concerned that the british royal family will now have a black person in it and i just don't see how it could have been taken any other way given what i I mean we all ask that question in our heads whether we want to admit it out loud or not and it doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing oh i've just we're gonna have to do like i said i don't think we agree on the sussexes yeah oh well i I mean I i don't think that's a sussex issue though like i could if you were to have a baby with somebody anybody it doesn't matter who it was i would think oh my gosh are they gonna get her amazing auburn hair okay and i take your point i get your point and i take your point and also they're not because this is not natural um (laughs) what i'm saying is you can't look at that situation yeah in a vacuum and given the circumstances surrounding that situation and how important what we've learned like through the crown and well the crown's like, fiction through harry's book and through Which you is, know other i don't other know books what we have learned is what a machine mm-hmm. the british monarchy is and what a close relationship that machine running the monarchy has with the press and so given how important that relationship is between those two entities i don't see how anybody i mean it's like you said we all think that but like you don't freaking say it and if you say it you're a jerk and a racist and an asshole peace out full stop it's what i I think i mean i think there's a for me i could say it and not mean it in any way racist at all and be hopeful that it was a beautiful multiracial gorgeous human being with lots of different color and ethnicity represented in it yeah and like i said i get that for you i don't get that for anybody that's a member of the british royal family mm, okay <laughs> i i not see that completely i do but megan's also a narcissist so i don't trust her i don't trust any of them frankly I just want them to wear tiaras and keep their mouth shut. Can we just do that? Lord. No, they can't. They cannot. They have proven it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I just. Okay. 
it's a it's a real interesting situation and i don't think we will ever know the truth of it oh gosh no no we will not that, i think the truth is probably somewhere in the middle just listen there's one thing you practice law long enough you learn in a hurry there is his side her side and the truth is somewhere in the middle mm-hmm. always i don't yeah. care how honest your client thinks they're being it, right truth's not fully on their side ever yeah. um i will tell you what the truth is in my house tell it <laughs> is uh we sold the crazy <gasps> house that's right oh my gosh my favorite thing that you have put on social media is a video of yourself in a dark hall <laughs> walking toward a mirror i was like that is the most like i don't know meta art house movie thing i've ever seen it was amazing walking through the most 80s bathroom you've ever seen towards the mirrored wall that uh fronts the gigantic walk-in master closet I was walking through the house one last time, honestly, to be sure that nobody had broken in. Turns out they had broken in earlier in the weekend, but uh-huh. the, the buyer's real estate agent had been there and had already closed their window. I mean, these people, y'all. Um, but yeah, so big news of my week is signed everything on Monday, got the check yesterday or the wire. So, whoo! So is our- it? done like are you done with the mm-hmm. estate or or you're mm-hmm. part of it no just that and we were we were i don't even know like the foreclosure hearing um was scheduled for friday so we closed on monday before it went into foreclosure like on friday like woo, exactly um we had a, the contract was uh, in jeopardy for a little bit because after the inspection, we found out the whole house is eaten up in termites. <laughs> Welcome to the is. south. <laughs> Lord. So but anyway, but we made it. Shoo, and it is done. Now, there's still another, there's also a, a beachfront property um, that we have to deal with that really needs to be torn down to the studs. Um, and her she's fighting with her sister she's fighting she's passed away i am she now yeah um, they were fighting she and her sister were already sort of fighting about their dad's estate so there's a couple issues with that that we have to get worked out and then we're gonna have to figure out what we're gonna do about the guy who had my job before me and whether we're oh, gonna see yeah. him or not so um so this is a big hurdle but it's not the final hurdle exactly but it's it's the you know anybody who's ever dealt with buying and selling real estate knows what a huge relief it is especially these days lord yeah yep yep nope so that was that was my big news and uh little ronnie uh the foster dog is doing great she's sweet as pie um she's got that respiratory virus Uh, going around it's not bad but it's you know thought i had a thought i had you had a heartworm free dog didn't think i had to worry about lungs but do you get her like do they does she already come like is it kennel cough or is it a different respiratory thing it's similar to kennel cough um i read i did actually read an article about it (laughs) 
I did read the article. Look at you. The headline. Um, it's the, the the two this like there's one that's going around that's more severe than your typical kennel cough. Mm. Um, and I don't know. So I was supposed to that I was actually supposed to get Freddie. Um, when I got Ronnie, I was supposed to get Freddie, who was going to have his final heartworm treatment, and then I was going to get him, but he got kennel cough. Um, so he couldn't have his final heartworm treatment. So that's why I got Ronnie. But so we know it was it, and they were at the same vet. vet. So we know it was at the vet. So it's probably what she has because it's really contagious. Oh, yeah. Um, It's like they just have to like touch noses. um, Yeah. And that's, they get it. So, but other than that, she's doing great. She's fine. Um, Good. Um, And it's, just you know tis the season um i went went and saw the messiah (laughs) you are very controversial these days oh my lord so i went and saw the messiah um it was great it was a great performance it was the northwest florida symphony orchestra and chorale um and i grew up so my dad was a choir director he got his PhD. Well, he got his master's at Georgia State, and then he got his PhD at Florida State. And many of the people who were his professors in both of those degrees were disciples of Robert Shaw, who was the longtime um, director of the Atlanta Symphony Orchestra and the Corral and the Robert Shaw Corral and he won a Kennedy Center honor he's won a Cabillion Grammys like he is the end all be all and a Cabillion a Cabillion um and he is my dad's (laughs) idol anything that Mr. Shaw did my dad was gonna do yeah um and Mr. Shaw would come to Florida State quite often because like I said a lot of the professors there were um disciples of his and so he would come and do concerts at florida state and my dad's choirs would be invited to sing there um so they just had a great relationship and every other year my dad would hire a bunch of atlanta symphony orchestra musicians to come to moultrie and they would do uh my dad's choirs would sing with the orchestra um and soloist from atlanta the entire Christmas portion of the Messiah. Um, so anybody that grew up in Atlanta and ever went and saw the Messiah at Atlanta Symphony Hall knows that Mr. Shaw did not believe in standing up during the Hallelujah Chorus. Um, the whole way, yes, ma'am. Goodness gracious, she just saw something. She's excited over here. Um, hey, baby girl. Woo. Yeah. Um, but so the Messiah was debuted, they debuted it in Dublin, but the first time they performed it in London, King George stood up during the Hallelujah Chorus. Nobody knows why. Favorite story. This is my favorite. Nobody knows why, but he stood up. And so of course, when he stood up, everybody else stood up. Everybody else has to stand up. There is talk that he was standing up to go to the bathroom. That's why he stood up. As one does. There are other stories, right? There are other stories that he was so moved that that's why he stood up, but nobody knows for sure. And so Mr. Shaw 
researched it and came up with his decision that you should not stand up during the Holly Chorus. So guess what? In Moultrie, Georgia, we did not stand up for the Holly Chorus. There was a note in uh, every program performed to please do not stand like that's just what we do so now every time i go and see the messiah i have a hard time standing up for the holly yeah. chorus i typically do because everybody else is and then you just look like adult but anyway yeah. so i posted a little video on facebook from and i didn't sit long because they did invite us to sing along and you know that's all it takes for me to stand up sure um, but i posted a little short little clip of a video of me sitting down and uh the people's butts uh in front of me because they were that and i said something about you can take the girl out of georgia but she's still gonna sit down for the hallelujah chorus and a girl that i grew up with like she's probably i don't know five years younger than me maybe six years younger than me but we went to church together like she you should know old moultrie she y'all it was the funniest thing she got so offended at me sitting down for the hallelujah chorus it's, I wanted to stir the pot so bad too, but you said no, so I respected you. Oh, and then she went on her page and she posted something on her Facebook page, <laughs> the Hallelujah Chorus. True choir kids know that you stand up for the. That's uh, where she went sideways. I, it, it tickled me. All of a sudden, the Hallelujah Chorus was the national anthem, and I'm calling Kaepernick. Like, how did this happen? <laughs> yes, you are, ma'am. You are 100% the Kaepernick of choir world. <laughs> and also, who cares? Who cares? It's just, I mean, he was just going to pee. Right? Oh, my God. And then, so then somebody else weighs in and says, well, I stand for the glory of God. Oh, I mean, it was like, all right, people, why don't you stand for every song? I was about to say, the glory of God is around us all the time, and I don't have the energy or the core strength to stand up all day long every day. It's tickled me. The things things we get all worked up about. But yeah, she was like, I was was taught to always stand for the Hallelujah Course. And listen, y'all, I know this child. Only time she saw the Hallelujah Chorus was in Moultrie. With or, your daddy. Every now and then we would take a yellow bus to Atlanta and watch it in Atlanta. Those are the only two places that child grew up seeing the Hallelujah Chorus. And, and so, so I know she, did well, know she did not know. She did not learn that. But anyway. That, oh, was, that just made my week when that popped up. Yeah, Katie Katie wanted to like reply. She sent me a text. It was like, can I start the pot? And I was like, Darn no. It. If it had been her sister, I would have let you because her sister. I wanted to so bad though, but you knew what I wanted to do. So that's all that matters. Yeah. I had your back. I know. Thank you, ma'am. Thank Mm -hmm. you, ma'am. We ride it down. (laughs) Listen. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Lord. Oh, well, so now friends, we're going to embark on Ooh. as we are in this lovely season of not standing up for the highly accord. <laughs> um, <laughs> we, and we listen, we know it's the season of gift guides and everybody and their brother is telling you what to buy and what, you know, all that. So we are kind of taking a different approach and we wanted to share with y'all some food items that you can gift because that's really sort of yeah one thing I hate about Christmas is 
how the consumerism yes. just takes over. And so yes. like I, my poor sister, you know, who was full on single mom, um, she's been married for two, almost two years now. Um, yeah. but full on single mom doing it all working yeah. full time, trying to make Christmas magic and Jane Caldwell made Christmas magical y'all. So there was a lot like we are, we are ridiculous at Christmas but like I can remember getting to Nashville you know like two days before Christmas and my sister and I just having to do nothing but run from store to store to store yeah. to store to store because we didn't have enough for this version we didn't have enough for that and like that is just just let's all take a breath yeah and just stop and so one of my favorite things to do is to make um food gifts for my friends and take them and then actually share them together and have a minute and everybody take a minute to enjoy oh, yeah. the real reason for the season, as they like to say. Well, and two, I think every good Southern woman ha- and a lot of men I know have that go to like anytime, anytime there's a baby born or a right. new neighbor. Um, food is always a great welcoming let us break bread together is a great way to make community and so um, I think Christmas is the perfect opportunity to do that as well so um, and like Mandy said we uh, when we started this podcast we didn't just want it to be an Amazon storefront with our favorites um, which a lot of other podcasts do and that's good for them and we appreciate that and I have bought things that they have recommended but that's why last week we really wanted to curate places that were local and not just random online where, you know, that everybody has access to. Um, and this week we wanted to do something a little different. So um, as we like to say, it's all about the story. So I will definitely have all the recipes are on here. Um, but um, I thought I would share two um, foodstuffs um, that were real good stories um from my growing up um gogi's go-to dish were actually uh cheese muffins and they are nothing but dairy and white flour (laughs) Um. and they're so good and i spent a lot of her last year's grating cheese for her because you don't use (laughs) pre-grated It does not work. I tried to prove her wrong in that. And she laughed at me when it didn't work. Um, So, and she had arthritis real bad. So I would go grate the cheese and eventually she'd have me mix it as well. Um, She would slip that in, you know, Oh, while you're here, can you just mix it too? Yes, ma'am. And then eventually she also, if it was raining, she would have me deliver it at Christmas. Um, But they're just these little cheese muffins that everybody loved and everybody associated with Gogi. And so when she passed away, the one thing I wanted was the bowl and the spoon that she used to make these cheese muffins. And y'all, she made so many batches of cheese muffins over the years that the spoon was ground down to perfectly fit the inside of the bowl. Mm-hmm. And I will definitely post a picture of it um, in our uh, Find Your People Instagram. But it just not 
those things are very sentimental to me and I'm very thankful to have them. But I think the symbolism and the, the fact that she did so much for so many people for so many years, it wore the, the metal spoon down mm-hmm. to fit That's the awesome. bottom of the bowl. That's awesome. And yeah. I think we should all strive to do that. And whatever we do, we should give enough where our spoons fit perfectly inside of our bowls. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to try not to cry. <laughs> um, it's just the time of year I miss her so much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was feel guilty. I should have put on, I didn't include, my dad is famous for his pimento cheese. Oh, well, you can totally add it. Yeah, we used to do that out at Christmas a lot. And that was the same thing. Like we had to, yep. he, he has a special cheese, like a rotary yes. cheese grater. And then when my grandfather died, he got, because it was my grandfather's recipe, but yeah. my dad got the yellow plate because Mac would make it on a plate, not in a bowl. Right. Oh, same. But yeah. So I had to have a, yeah. you have to have the, you have to use hoop cheese, hoop cheese. Yep. Hoop cheddar, and you yep. have to use a rotary grater and make yep. it on a plate. It doesn't. So even now when I make them, I use the same spoon and bowl. They don't taste the same. Oh gosh, no. The other thing, she was very precise. I mean, the woman was a, the definition of OCD. <laughs> the definition of it. She used, because they they used to make a certain size block of cheddar cheese. They don't make it anymore. And so um, she would have to buy either, if we were doubling it, it was a big and a little block. If we weren't, uh, she had we had to cut the block. And she used, I swear to goodness, my uncle, who is almost 70 years old, his wooden ruler from elementary school <laughs> to measure the block of cheese <laughs> and cut two thirds of it. <sighs> and she would like, she, I didn't cut it straight enough. So she would score it where, I, I mean, like it was wild, but that's how... <laughs> diligent she was about the things that she gave away she wanted to be perfect yeah which just cracks me up sorry gogi (laughs) she cracks me up i don't do it like that sorry um but uh her cheese muffin recipe is so easy it's these are the ingredients i won't go i'll y'all have the whole thing um i do find it interesting i do have the original first of all i have the original handwritten framed in my kitchen um and um in our family cookbook, it's not quite right. So um, somebody, I don't think she listens, my mother, um, made it so he couldn't quite get it right when you cooked it out of the family cookbook. <laughs> he, it's two sticks, two sticks of butter melted, uh, eight ounces of sour cream, two cups of self-rising flour sifted, and then two cups of grated sharp cheddar cheese packed. Um, I'll just use a block. Uh, I measure with my heart when I measure cheese. <laughs> um, but there are some tips in the the recipe about how to make them. And they're in the little mom, mini, the little mom, mini muffin tins. Yeah, my mom used to make those a lot without the cheese. Like they didn't have yes. cheese. Yes. Yeah, like a sour cream muffin. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's in the family cookbook too. Yeah. Yes. 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 The other um, recipe that I wanted to just tell you the little story about, because they're hilarious, is Miss Baldry cookies. Now, Miss Baldry and my grandmother played bridge together for like 65 years. Um, 
and they were uh, Miss Baldry revolted and became an Alpha Delta Pi at Mercer. Uh oh. But they also grew up together. They went to high school together. So they've been friends forever. So Miss Baldry is this dear woman who is an award-winning chef, like entered all the contests back in the 50s and 60s and won all these great cooking contests. And so these are like, these are bar cookies and they've got caramel and chocolate. And we, I don't know what they're supposed to be called, but we call them Miss Baldry cookies. And this was her go-to gift. Gogi used to have to hide them <laughs> from my grandfather because we would go in like at Thanksgiving or Christmas when she had a batch of them that Miss Baldry had given her and they would be gone because <laughs> Morris had been sneaking them. <laughs> Especially when he started to get Alzheimer's and forgot that he wasn't supposed to sneak them. They would be gone. There would be none left. That's so funny. One of my favorite Miss Baldry stories, though, was my brother bought uh, his first little house in Macon. And he had just started dating the girl that's now his wife, Rebecca. And they came home from a date. And on his back door hung this little plastic bag. And inside um, were cookies. And with a note that said, congrats on your new home. Love, Becky. Well, we called all my grandmother's friends by their first name. And Rebecca said... Who the heck's Becky? <laughs> and Charlie died laughing and said, well, she's about 80. And she's about <laughs> four foot nothing with about another foot of hair. And so, <laughs> anyway, it's one of my favorite stories about Miss Baldry. And then um, when I was 19 years old, I had surgery. Um, and Miss Baldry brought me cookies. And Charlie ate them all well yeah that is unacceptable very unacceptable but um those cookies have been just part of the story of my life they're so good um her recipes i would not say are the easiest in the world there are several steps to these but they are worth every single step Yum. so so good um, the other things that I have on my list, um, I just made a batch of this that I keep, um, mom calls it Russian tea mix. I don't know why it's Russian tea, but it's, um, tang and lemonade and, um, tea and cinnamon and clove, uh, and sugar, of course, uh, I drink it throughout the winter. I had a really hard time finding the, anything that wasn't like a crystal light packet of lemonade. Like you can find the frozen kind, but it, you, the granulated, I had a hard time finding it in mine. So I just got the instant tea with lemon in it oh, well, and that's just fine. It works just fine, but I enjoy it throughout the season. Um, I make these Cheez-Its. In fact, I'm making them today because my Methodist studies friends request them for every gathering that we ever have. And so I'm going to put some in the oven in just a little bit. They are delicious. They are so easy. I was given them a, several years ago now as a gift. And I was like, I have got to have that recipe, but it's just ranch dressing and some oil to, and you bake them. So easy, so good. It's good to have to grab at the house to nibble on. They remind me of, um, for all my Noonan friends, there's a great restaurant on the square in Noonan called the Redneck Gourmet. Ooh. And Miss Seal, C-I-L-E. I love that. 
um, Miss Seal makes um, crackers. They're Seal's crackers that you can get. Um, and they're like saltines, but it's not. Yes. I don't know what her secret seasoning is, but. So a friend of mine brought the basically the same seasoning on saltines the other day to class for us to snack on because you know we have those three hour block classes which are awful um and they were just as good so you could totally put this on saltines and it would be amazing and like a little chicken salad action with that oh there we go there we go i love that the other thing i like to make for myself it's a little expensive but it's really good and you can um, definitely use cheaper liquor to do it is making your own vanilla. Although In fact, I need to vanilla beans have gotten so expensive. Oh, that's the expensive part. Vanilla beans are very expensive, but I'm hoping I'm hoping to make it down to the cat farmer's market. And sometimes their spices are a lot cheaper and so I'm hoping to find them reasonably you know, priced. You know where else you can find vanilla beans? Sometimes it's Costco. Oh, well, I don't have a membership, but my friend does. And we're, that's definitely on my Christmas break list is to make a run to Costco. So I will look there too. But it, it this is how easy it is, friends. You get a container. I just went to Hobby Lobby, I think, and got one with the little rubber seal like a glass jar with a rubber seal and the little metal flip thing put the vanilla bean in i use bourbon but you can use vodka and you pour it in there that's it and then you let it sit the longer the better um but it's time for me to um to re-up your vanilla i can use the vanilla bean several times like i just keep filling it up once it's sat for a while but it's time for me to replace my vanilla bean. So um, it, it's also really good to give away as gifts. If you can find it reasonable, you know, a reasonable price for a vanilla bean, or if you really love your people. The other thing um, I was like, a lot of times when I, like when I first started doing like homemade gifts, part of my challenge was always like the container um, to put it in. Yes. I is another good source for like, oh, yeah little bottles and stuff see i didn't have an ikea when i started this process available and um, you can order like you can order um online a lot of ikea stuff okay uh, and yeah. that's you know very but recent. as long as it's one that's got a good seal on it mm -hmm. then you should be good and it'll just you just let it sit in the back of your pantry for several months and then just add a little bourbon when it gets a little low or a little vodka Birch and Jim make uh, limoncello. Oh, I love Birch limoncello. Has gotten um, containers from Ikea for their limoncello. I love that. I need to get on that list. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, the last thing I put on here is I thought about, you know, this is pecan season. Um, but peach season, this year's peach crop, as we discussed, was not a good one because of a late frost. Um, I was able to get some because we know some peach. My family knows some peach people. So I put their um, website on here because they do boxes. And, you know, they are a big farm down there, but they're still Georgia local people. And so. Um, you know that's Birch's cousin. No way. 
Lanier is Birch's first cousin. Stop it. <laughs> so they're all best friends with my brother and his wife. And oh, my my, my um, nephew worked there this summer. And my <laughs> don't tell, don't tell, do not Birch. I swear to God. <laughs> I don't know if he knows. But Martha is to the oldest niece is totally in love with their son. Don't tell. <laughs> I could be related to the Pearsons too. Okay, then I'm already Birch planning the cousins. wedding. Then you and Birch will be cousins. Oh my gosh, Birch. I knew I liked her. <laughs> okay. So, but they have great stuff. Always, if you're in the area, if you are in the area in the summer, go by and get all the things. Get the ice cream, the cobbler, get fresh peaches. The pecans are delicious this time of year. Get them, get them, get them. They're so, so good. Um, but you can order it and they will ship it to you. Also, they have great recipes. So the Pearsons will get it on their uh, website um, and they will, and on their social media stuff, and they'll give you their peach cake recipe and all those things. So definitely, definitely go on and order some, um, some pecans this time of year. So good. Yep. And they were probably picked by my nephew. I did several years ago. Um, I actually had ordered it for some friends to send as a thank you. And somehow it got shipped to me instead. Oops. Um, but it was a gift box that they do in the summer that was peaches and pecans, mm. like even in the summer. Yeah. So oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want to next summer when you're ordering your peaches, if you want to throw some pecans down. Yeah. Oh, they I have pecans year round, but. Nanny and Papa all lived in the middle of a pecan orchard. I mean, they had five acres of pecans. Yeah. So I never bought a pecan in my life mm -hmm. until I was probably 45. Yeah. It really hurts my feelings to have to buy them. Yeah. Yeah. But we do what we have to do. We do what we have to do. We sacrifice. We do. We do. Yeah. Um, those were awesome, Katie. I, I, I hope you enjoy i didn't the miss boundary cookies are a little they're multi-step so they're a little bit more complicated but not hard but everything else is super easy so when gogi would deliver her muffins like how would she wrap those oh okay so gogi became a big hobby lobby fan i know we have issues with hobby lobby but she loved a sticker Gogi loved a sticker and so she would go and I, for many many years because she bought a ton of them she had these glittery green Christmas tree stickers and she would get the um they're almost like takeout containers with the paper lid that you then fold over and she would put a layer of cheese muffins and then she would write on the lid the directions to heat them up and it always ended with freezes beautifully <laughs> because you can freeze them and pull them out i challenge any of you to make a batch of these and have any leftover to go in the freezer right. Right. i challenge you but gogi dished them out like they were i don't know gold bullion cubes and so <laughs> she would tell you how many you would get and make you decide how many you wanted before she made them like pulled them out of her how many do you want well i won't i don't know a lot no you got to tell me a number so she'd pull out just <laughs> enough OCD. Oh, OCD. Um, OCD, Gogi. Um, and then she would pull a Christmas tree sticker. 
Okay. So it was almost like a Chinese takeout container. Mm-hmm. That's how she delivered them. Okay. I could see wrapping them. You'd have to be real careful too, but like maybe like in cellophane. Yes. So I have done that before. So, you know, they sell those cellophane bags at Christmas, a lot of places with like trees or candy canes or something on them. I've put six of them or 10 of them in there in the big ones and then wrapped it and tied it with a bow. Mm-hmm. Um, but really I've had people request that I make them and they're like, I don't care what you put them in. I'm coming to get them. We're going to eat them in the car right. on the way home. Right. Right. I'm like, but you're asking me to make them for you for Christmas. And they're like, no, well, I mean, yeah. well, some of them will, but we're going to yeah. eat them on the way home. Yeah. Well, there you go. There you go. Yep. Oh, oh, okay. So I'll start with one I did last year. It's a this mold. Looks really good. It's a mold wine kit. Okay. Um, and I had never actually had mold wine but I just thought it was a cool looking little gift. Um, so the first thing you do is you dry oranges and I put a link in here. Basically all you do is slice them really thinly and put them on a rack and put them in a low oven, um, for a long time. And actually y'all, I had enough left over that I put them in a little container and it's been a year. I still have them in my fridge and I'll pop them in like a cocktail, you know, um, or, you see the um William Sonoma like potpourri thing that you can put on your oven like if you put it in that and heat it up it's so do you put them directly on the oven rack or do you a rack on a cookie sheet a rack on a cookie sheet okay sorry I had to wrap my brain around this because you know I'm gonna do it because everything Mandy says to do I do um yeah I linked I linked to how to make dried orange slices here I think who I actually used last year was joy the baker um who's a great instagram follow if you don't follow joy she just i know i saw (laughs) i know i just saw um that she was drying oranges this week um so she could probably give you some good hints too um and then you just make a kit and i if i recall correctly what i did last year was i put everything in a little mason jar um and then, you know, tie that up with a little, I've got some Christmas ribbon that I bought several years ago that I just keep using. Um, and then gave it with a bottle of wine. And I ended up, my, I gave it to my friend Carla last year. And then she ended up, I think on New Year's, I ended up going over there and we mulled the wine. Oh, I love that. Um, it was good. It was really good. Because uh, she was like, what do I do? I'm like, I don't know. I've never made it. I just thought it looked like a fun gift. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it worked out great. Um, so yeah, so that's the first one. Um, and if you look, if you watch, um, Whole Foods actually has good deals on wine a lot of times. Okay. Um, like you can get a decent bottle of wine on sale quite often, especially this time of year. Yeah. Um, so just keep an eye there and you can get some decent wine for, you know, a reasonable price. Um, one year I did homemade Irish cream. I um, love this. Which, you know, shocker of all shockers is a smitten kitchen recipe. Um, <clears throat> but same thing, it's, Deb's got the recipe there and I just put it in a little mason jar with a little Christmas ribbon. Um, and that was a big hit and delicious. I love Irish uh, cream. I have been gifted that before, but I've never made it. And I do like it in my coffee some Saturday mornings. 
Yeah, it's not, and it's not hard. It's not hard. So I think I might try that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I always do like if I'm doing something like that, I'll always pair it with a cookie tray. Um, and so the kids love the you know the cookie tray. Right. Um, my rule for the cookie tray is to do something chocolate, something fruity, and then sort of whatever else you want. Um. So, and I think that's a good rule for any party for desserts. Gogi always did that. Um, y'all would have been best friends, by the way. Um, <laughs> she always liked something not just fruity, but she was very specific. She wanted something lemon. I, I do not disagree. So she loved a citrus, and my mom makes really good lemon bars, or there's some lemon poppy seed muffins we used to do to put on the dessert table. So um, I absolutely co-sign on that to have a variety of mm-hmm. the cookies. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just some good sources for your, uh, you know, if you're looking at doing a cookie tray, the New York Times, <clears throat> I linked an article they did, I think last year of how to make the perfect cookie box. And then they're actually doing like right now it's cookie week. Oh, okay. <laughs> so they're doing a new, sorry, y'all. I got a frog in my throat. Got yeah. that respiratory virus. No, um, no one. They um are doing a new cookie like every day. Um, so you can get some good ideas there. Also, uh Grossy Pelosi. If you do not follow Dan Pelosi on Instagram, um, his handle is Grossy Pelosi. He is great. He's a gigantic Italian teddy bear. Um, and his family does cookies every like a big cookie box every oh, year how cute is he and he gives the hint of like when you make your cookies if you're doing like a i don't typically put them in like a box container but he does and if you're doing a, a, a like a box that you put a slice of bread on top of the cookies oh yeah have them all packed and it keeps the cookies fresh yes <clears throat> so, love that yeah so he's, i love i can cuss on he's super cute um i love that sweet little sweet little grossy he just in in fact he just published his first cookbook love Um, that for him yes um but some of the ones that i have done recently i linked to just a couple of specific recipes uh rugelach i do the cherry rugelach with cardamom sugar listen okay anything with cardamom i am in on it okay Um, this is the New York Times recipe. I think it's a Melissa Clark recipe. Um, and she's usually pretty easy. Now, it is a dough, Katie, but you can do it. It is a dough. No, I'm, I'm afraid of a dough. I know. You roll it out into a circle, and then you just cut little triangles, and you spread the the make the filling on it, and then okay. you roll it up for like a little croissant. Okay. Um, and then our girl, Deb, also, she has a, a good rugula. Uh, okay um if you wanted to try that one and then last year i did these uh it was a new york times salted caramel and peanut butter Mm. shortbread those are all my favorite things in one cookie listen y'all they were so good i will say when you're one of the things you have to do is you have to pound out your caramel oh like you buy worthers and you pound them and i would make them if there's a there's a fine line there like you don't want to make them into smithereens because then they just melt into the cookie 
but you want them small enough because otherwise they're going to get like they're going to get yeah they're going to pull out all your fillings yeah and it the the cookie doesn't hold together just right so you kind of pay you have to pay kind of special attention to pounding out your caramel but other than that they're very easy and delicious love it and then will caldwell always has to have a um peanut butter blossom you know just Mm -hmm. a peanut butter cookie with a hershey kiss in it those are oh yeah required uh, yeah dougie used to make those too so good so good um and then what i'll do is i'll get just a you know hobby lobby michaels wherever you know just get a big tray um and put some cookies on it and then get like the cellophane that comes on a roll yeah and just wrap them in that and tie them up is usually how i uh deliver those um although lewis and julie were recently at my mother's she was sick at thanksgiving and so they were over there doctoring her and taking her a plate of food my cousin lee caldwell owns a um scone company highland scone company in birmingham and they make great scones that's another should, we should link that we should um but my mother had apparently had seven of their tins they ship them in these gold tins and my mother had seven seven tins and they got rid of them i was like why'd y'all do that i couldn't ah. use them for my cookies oh they don't think so if you don't have yeah. a highland scone tin you can just get you know in any sort of plate and just wrap it with that cellophane yeah. i think yeah. i bought that cellophane maybe three years ago four it may have been before covid even um and i'm still using it every year so i love it i love it we'll definitely link that in the show notes um so we can order scones from your family i love that, I love that. of course there are people in the food business <laughs> Um, so we have not done favorites in a couple weeks, um, cause we had Thanksgiving and then last week we told you all, Hey baby girl, <laughs> the puppy is all up in some faces. Um, so we haven't done it in a while. So I thought I would, um, tell you the things that I have loved lately. Oh, besides Ronnie tucking <laughs> herself up under Mandy. It's amazing. So, um, do you Substack? Are you on Substack? Have we talked about Substack on here before? Merch has actually requested that we do a Substack uh, primer. I don't know what she. Okay. I need to know how to use Substack without it costing me an arm and a leg. Well, good luck with that. All I can say to that is just don't subscribe and get the free newsletter. Yeah. So several people are on here that I really like, and I I thought I would share those things with you. One of them I pay for because it's a great sermon starter, and I'm hoping my accountant can figure out how to write that off on my taxes, even though it's not (laughs) that much. Every little bit helps because apparently I'm an independent contractor now and I have to pay taxes out the yin yang. Um, The first thing that I love that I don't pay for, but every once in a while I go, oh, I really want to manage my subscription and read the rest of this article is called Poetic Outlaws. And they look, it's a really good mix of um, traditional, like Henry David Thoreau was on there today, um, but they have newer poets. Um, Again, this, for me, it's, um, well, I love words, obviously, but, um, because I write a lot, but 
it's also a great way to be inspired. Um, and so poetic outlaws, they have a wide variety of really great poetry um, that is beautiful. I'm going to subscribe to that for sure. I love poetry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll love it. Um, the other thing that I love that one of my professors actually turned me on to is called Letters of Note. And it is um, a weekly subscription. And they publish these random, lovely letters from history. Um, the one that my professor... Um, used in our class that I love so much and it's just so beautifully ironically written and you know I love sarcasm and irony was a letter from a former slave to his former master he had um, gotten out of slavery was living up in the north and his master um, shockingly couldn't run the plantation without him <laughs> and he was wanting him to come back <laughs> And the letter of reply that this beautiful human wrote was just amazing. Um, so that's what turned me on to it. But there's so many. Um, some of them are snippets of letters about a certain subject from people that you would know. Some you might not know. Um, some of them are full published letters. Um, from famous people there's um, one from Ernest Hemingway during the war when he's very young um, some of Lincoln's obscure letters have come through it's just a beautiful collection of writings so it's called letters of note highly recommend and our buddy Smitten Kitchen is on there and so that's how I keep up with her um, I have her on my socials but this it puts it right in front of me because I don't do a lot on Substack. So it's not lost in the volume that it is everywhere else. And so yeah. um, I highly recommend, highly recommend Agree. those three. Um, the other thing that I've loved these days are two um, podcasts. One I know we haven't talked about um, when we were talking about Royals earlier. There's one called Pod Save the King. It used to be called, huh, wait for it, Pod Save the Queen. <laughs> and it's two, well, one of them is definitely a royal reporter and the other one started interviewing reporters um, in the Royal Rota. It's a really good look um, at like, it, it's everything from fashion to, um, you know, they don't pull any punches when they don't agree with something that they don't do. They talk about it. Um it's how I keep up a lot with them. Um, one guy that's one of the reporters on there um, is one that travels with the Royals. And so he has a really interesting take on what it's like to be traveling with them. And um, he's not really pro or con Sussex. So I think he's got a real good look at it. Mm -hmm. um, and the other one is Batch. So I had subscribed on my podcast to the bitter southerner podcast but they quit making that and it didn't even i didn't notice two years ago or three years ago they've switched over to one called batch and i listened to the latest episode it's a seasonal one so they're not producing right now it is really good so okay. i'm sure mandy that you're much better at keeping up with that than i am 
but it's called batch it's really good uh, the other thing that i love the better southerner and follow them on my socials but i never subscribed to the newsletter and i went in there i was like how am i what have i done so when i ordered my, my life well, i ordered my sweatshirt that says bless your heart i was like i'm doing all the things so i went in and that's when i realized that batch was their new the name of their new thing yeah. and it what it doesn't do, some of them, if they change the name of it or have a new season with a different name, it'll automatically keep you subscribed. This is a whole new thing. And so that's why I missed it. So make sure you're following that. Um, it's so good. The other thing that I have loved, you know, Mandy and I've said it over and over. It is so true. The main reason I love sports so much is, well, I'm a competitor. <laughs> more so than Mandy but I love a good story and I do not follow the NFL at all I don't watch NFL football much at all unless Taylor Swift is going to be there but what I love on HBO Max is a show called Hard Knocks and they have followed several teams and right now they are in a mid-season season of Hard Knocks following the Miami Dolphins. And it is very current. Like they, I just watched one this morning. I watched the latest episode this morning and it was from the game like last week. So it's very mm -hmm. current. And if you don't know Mike McDaniel, their coach's story, you need to know it. He's quirky. He said about 47 cuss words in the first 30 seconds in the first episode. And I was like, okay, that's what, that's how we roll. Um, he wears joggers. He, yeah, is, he looks like a little tech, tech dude out there. Yes. He's got these big glasses. He wears a more product in his hair than I do. He is just the cutest little thing, but he has a great backstory. And if you don't know it, you need to research it and read about it. He's a recovering alcoholic. He's brought himself back from some really bad places. Uh, he's got a beautiful wife and a great little family. And he's just doing great at Miami. And now I'm a Miami Dolphins fan for a minute. <laughs> but if you go back and look like Michigan was one of the few college teams they did. And Jim Harbaugh, I love Jim Harbaugh, but it's because of hard knocks and That's the little, it the as story. expected in the, have you seen that episode that season? Okay. You need to go watch it because as expected in the very last episode, they go into Jim Harbaugh's closet and, and it's, all I, it's at, swear to God, hand to Jesus. It is rose of khakis <laughs> and blue shirts. <laughs> varying weather needs that's it listen that gives you room to make other decisions with your brain if you're not having to figure out what they to wear showed it. i howled laughing when it came on that's funny yeah so that's a great i think um sports documentaries are wonderful hbo does a really good job with them hard knocks highly recommend and the last thing is that Kurt Herbstreit's dog is having a moment. <laughs> this season, he has started bringing his um, oldest dog, Bo, to all the games and all the college game days. And Bo is this beautifully quaffed. They must spend a fortune grooming that dog. Um, Golden Retriever, who is old. He's got the gray snout. 
He's old and sweet and wonderful. And he just rolls over and let everybody scratch his belly. He, there was one time. where, he, what now? Just has a big time. He does. There was one where, and I'm, well, I'm not a Georgia fan at all, but the, where he's meeting Uga is the <laughs> cutest little thing. They've like bump noses and boop each other. It's so cute. So, um, watch out for Bo the dog. I'm loving started, him right now. I started following Herb Street on Instagram just because of Bo. Just because of Bo. I'm just see what Bo was doing. He lives in Nashville, I believe. They, listen, remember I saw his, when I was getting my facial, they had a picture of Herb Street. On oh, the that's wall. right. That's when I discovered Birch is a Herb Street mm -hmm. lover. He is, look. His boys went to NBA. He's good looking. Um. Yeah, now I'm out. I'm trying to figure out where they live. I'm stalking both. He's got yeah. two other. They did a story on him on game day. He's got two other younger dogs, but they're so like wild and rambunctious that they can't yeah. handle um, being on set. But Bo oh. the dog is my new favorite dog. Well, so no, no, except for Ronnie. Sorry, Ronnie. She's sleeping. She didn't. She's sleeping. She didn't hear me. Okay. She doesn't know her name either. <laughs> I love her. <laughs> oh lord so those are my good. favorites that was awesome that was good it was fun a little long a little long today yeah, look we got recipes we got stories tis the yeah. season yeah but uh well friends we hope you'll have a great week thank you for listening yes i will not be in pajamas next week maybe um i'll be in Macon next week so okay yeah i'm going down for a, a party so we'll talk about that next week i'm sure that's be fun what what day is wednesday okay that should work we may have to record it late we'll have to talk oh we'll yeah whatever yeah i got a good thing and yeah what we can look we the best thing about doing this first of all is that i get to catch up with mandy every week the second best thing is we give each other so much grace like she has looked at me unshowered in pajamas for over an hour now and she is still my friend listen like i said that's how you should look when you yeah. have yeah hope it all goes well good luck thank you thank you thank you it it's a large volume but i think i'll be okay <laughs> yeah i have confidence in you yeah uh, yep. all right friends well all everybody right. have a good week have a great week and we will see you next week merry christmas everybody happy hanukkah if you you celebrate. brooker, brooker. <laughs> climb that tree and hang that star babe <laughs>